In the world of Hollywood, movies get greenlit and redlit. They get remade and rebooted. But we are the ideal. I'm Sam Gash, and you are listening to Ideal Remake. Oh, well, I mean, if you want to do an then accent... Then the dish, podcast. <laughs> what accent would you say that was? <laughs> it was? It was aiming for, like, Southern Hemisphere in the, like, South Africa... Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. <laughs> That's it's like, like somebody who was born in South Africa but traveled a lot. <laughs> it sounded like... Your version of, uh, maybe, I think it was maybe. Sean Connery yeah, that's it. Was, was from South Africa. I was trying to think of yeah. Sean Connery and didn't get there. It's, I'm an Egyptian by way of Spain. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, is a movie I'm going to eventually what have to do. That? Highlander. Oh, that's oh, what he did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. it's so bad. He can be from Scotland. It's called Highlander. <laughs> but here's the thing. The main character's from Scotland and sounds nothing like a Scottish person, but then the Scottish person is the Spaniard from Egypt. It makes no sense. Ugh. Oh, I'm sold. I'm watching it. Yeah. It's, ugh. Anyway, I'm sitting here for Ideal Remake with my friends Brad Boltman and Claire Mulcairin. Oh, are you recording? Yes. Oh, yeah. Exciting. Yeah, we did the podcast thing where I hit record, but then Brad made a joke and I was like, uh, great, we're you, rolling you, with it. You hardwicked us. I hardwicked you. <laughs> Oh, that is... <laughs> it's, it's a podcasting term. If you had your own podcast, you'd understand. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I only guest on people's podcasts. And that's why we're having you. Uh, perennial podcast guest, Brad Bowman. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's what my business card says. Got it in one. Yes. And uh, amazing co-host of the wonderfully popular Smash Fiction, Claire Mulcairin. Hello. I'm glad you're both here. I am as well. Uh, this is a movie that we're going to talk about that... I was the one who was by far the most excited about, and yeah. I managed to twist everyone else's arms until they agreed to do it. But, All right, so here's my first I have no, question. I have no regrets. Go on. Where did you first hear of and then see this movie? I've seen. I've sort of had like vague awarenesses of it at the fringes of my consciousness for decades. You know, I've sort of heard the name. You're how old? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been really that long. Uh, it's been Look, on, I turned thirty. The week before, and all week, of us. And, holy hell! I turned thirty the week before this episode comes out. That is not okay. Yeah, and all of us Happy are exactly the 30. same age because maybe we went to high school together or something. Uh, it's all downhill. So you here. can maybe use some math and figure this out. Yeah, um, we all went to high school together. It's great. Woo! So um, <laughs> yeah, I think I was sort of vaguely aware of it as like a thing I should see, and people told me I should see it for a while, and then. I don't know, some lonely day when I was working my way through my shame list, which is the uh, my term for the list of movies that you people tell you you should see but you haven't seen. And, like, I, I make it a point to cross things off when I can. And, yeah. I have a very long shame list. Like, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but my friend uh, Cam basically has movie nights of movies Sam hasn't seen. Yeah. <laughs> and these have been movie nights that have included E.T., Jurassic Park. I Ooh. made you watch Back to the Future for the first time. Yes, I you recall did. this because you had not seen it before. It was you? I yeah. could have sworn it was Andrew Madden. It was in Andrew's house. Okay, it was but, definitely but Andrew's I was house. The one who, yeah, made okay, because so. I mentioned that because we did you Back did, to the Future for this on, show. Yeah. yeah. And I mentioned we watched it at Andrew's house. I wasn't sure. I didn't realize you made me watch it. Yeah. I apologize. So, um, it's at this point that Ideal Remake needs to issue an apology for past episodes. <laughs> sure. Turns out that Back to the Future was first consumed at the behest of Claremont Karen, but in the house of Andrew Madden. Good, good to know. In the Andrew room. Yeah. 
So, uh, what do we? Is now the part where we say what we all thought about Barbarella? Or in a second? Okay. Wait, do, we, do, we, do we know what movie we watched yet? It's Barbarella. <laughs> it's Barbarella. Bar bar Barbarella. Bar bar Barbarella. They were in the title of the episode. Barbarella. They could have done that, but, but didn't. First of all, I don't know where the name came from. Second of all, I have had that song stuck in my head. For all of the time since I've watched this movie. It's pretty good. Uh, no. The, the name came from a comic book, because this is based on a comic book. It's based on a comic book, not a novel? Uh, yes. I thought it was a novel, but it's a comic book, when I did more research. I did a little bit of research in preparation for this episode, I'm sorry. No, that's good. I appreciate it, because I didn't, because I just want to be angry. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk, talk about it then. What, what you got to say, Sam? All right. Here's my question uh, for you two. Mm-hmm. Name one thing that was Barbarella's idea that she successfully accomplishes. <laughs> uh, the, the thing with the gun in Pygar's loincloth kind of works for a sec sure, sure. until it doesn't. Uh-huh. Oh, no, 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 no. The part where they fly and she has the guns and she she has them fly in and they successfully infiltrate the city and she kills all the leathermen in the, in the ship. That's true. They get into the city. Then what happens? Then the other things. <laughs> <laughs> I was, that, that is true. I didn't think of that one. Uh, the only thing that I could think of that uh, she successfully does on her own initiative is have sex with Pygar. Yeah. Yes, yeah, she does. Is that successful? I, we assume <laughs> she, so. she rehabilitates his ability to fly. Oh, that's... It, all right, that's was that her goal? Yeah, it was a positive externality. I describe it as a positive externality. I would not... I would describe that as a fringe benefit. Yes. Speaking of benefits, uh, Brad, <laughs> can you think of anything successful that she did as a as a captain and hero I mean, of the stars? She got she got her mission done overall. Like, I, I mean, a lot of people I, died. I, did she? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I, I her don't mission know. was to bring Duran Duran back. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that, well, that wasn't going to happen. Though. Nobody would have been successful at that. <laughs> Not even somebody who actually cared about their job. <laughs> uh, so. Here's 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 what I want to talk about. I don't know if this is a good time, but like my vision for this thing, sort of broad scale, I think there's a lot of potential. Uh, Brad was talking about this. He said that he describes this movie as not being feminist, but being a free love movie. Yeah, which is I think it's 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 sort of progressive. It's like feminism adjacent, <laughs> but it's like not quite all the way there. It like it's like trying, and it was made in 1968, so it's doing in some ways okay for its time, but it's in a lot of ways it's still not. I think that this has the potential to be, like, a sort of female James Bond series. Where it's, like, it's the sort of thing where there's the the empowered character who goes out, they have adventures, they do action things, they bang a lot of people along the way. Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde is also, I think, similar to this. I love Atomic Blonde. Yeah, um, I, I think that's actually kind of similar to yeah. That, so Atomic Bond is, is kind of... Not in tone, yeah, more fun, but yeah. Atomic Blonde is kind of your, your goal in terms of, like, creative impetus. Mm-hmm. And I get that. I would describe this as a bunch of dudes who've heard of feminism. Uh, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't think it's feminism. I think it's free love. I think that's the, that was the only impetus. It wasn't about it wasn't about elevating women. It was just about elevating the idea of polyamory. Right, but and, that, yeah. that's why I think it's that. Why? That's why yes. I think it's a bunch of dudes who've heard of feminism. And they're like, oh, okay, this is what we think feminism is. Uh-huh. Male gaze, attractive lady. Yeah. So I, I think that there's a, there's a way to do this that is like, you know, 
sexy but also empowering and that kind of thing. And that was kind of the things I talked about. It. But yeah, so um, we'll, we'll get to this. But yeah. I think that one of the big important things for that will be we need both a female writer and a female director. <laughs> yes. Who I'm assuming all of us did that, but I'm not positive. I, I have no. I have I have options for those. I have. For most of them, I have one option that isn't for one of those roles, but we'll talk about it later. We'll, so, talk, we'll get yeah. to that later. Here's the thing about Barbarella. She has a lot of things that she does, but keeps being like... She, she's both the hero and the damsel in distress. Yes. Yeah. The she whole has, movie. She has very little agency right. throughout the film. She gets knocked out twice. Once by one, two kids. One hit point. Yep, one hit one point. Hit point. <laughs> she, uh, she once by two kids who throw a snowball with an ice cube in it, and then she's out of there. Uh-huh. And then one time she trips and falls and is out of there. And uh, she's Look. our hero. <laughs> so I mean, Pinecar gets kidnapped a lot too. I think it's just kind of the universe. Yeah, I, and, everybody's just very easily kidnappable and like cool. With being and nobody's kidnapped. yeah, nobody's like really that upset about being kidnapped either. I think. And I, I think, like, all of the death traps they're in, they're just in them until it's time for them to not be in them anymore. And then right. they're just, I'm just going to not be in this death trap anymore. It's like... Well, look, we're, we're, I've started doing mini-episodes because that way I can tell people the movie ahead of time and they can go out and watch it. And I don't think as many people are going to do that for this movie. But I think we should take kind of do a walkthrough of it. what Barbarella is. Because the whole movie starts with her undressing in space, which, aside from the fact that it was basically a zero-G striptease... In 1968, I have no idea how they did that. Uh, so the way they did it, it was filmed uh, from above. What you were actually, you were actually looking down. And she was just on a uh, lazy Susan. Uh, she, yeah, well, she was she was on a, a piece of plexiglass that was like, and then the oh. set was like underneath that, so she could be like elevated off the set and like appear to like float and sort of. She only sort of like yeah rotates around in a circle that kind of thing. But yeah, she's like basically on a, on a pane of glass. Yeah, which is super interesting. So now here's my next question. Yeah, uh, what had she been doing? That's tough. <laughs> space things. Because she's wearing a space suit at the yeah. beginning of the movie, and then yeah. she reveals, like, oh, it's a sexy lady. Yeah. But then when she actually goes into space, she doesn't put on a, se- a space suit. I don't understand <laughs> what the problem is. <laughs> so, also, uh, should we, is now a good time to talk about uh, shag carpet interiors of spaceships? Yes. Let's talk about shag carpet interiors for spaceships. That's a, it's a great idea. All spaceships should have shag carpeting. My understanding of spaceships is that they're very complicated machinery and shag carpeting have a real tendency to build up a static charge and if you're statically shocking some things on a spaceship that's bad you'd also think that barbarella would want surfaces that are maybe a little easier to clean i imagine stains would happen given her lifestyle choices well no up until the beginning of the movie that was not her lifestyle choice Oh, that's true. I mean, she has, she's had some mind sex. It's, it's yeah. uh, basically implied, but she probably has not a whole demolitions, lot of... de- Demolition Man style mind sex. Indeed. Which, that's a fun movie. It is. Brad, what did you think that, what would you say she was doing in her spacesuit prior to the beginning of the movie? I, she's supposed to be like an explorer, so uh, she, she was... She is defined as the queen of the galaxy. Great. <laughs> so, you know, she was Raining over the galaxy. <laughs> you can't. I, you can't rain over the galaxy from inside a spaceship. You got to go out this, in space. The, the only thing I can say is that up until she gets this mission from the from the president to to bring back Duran Duran, it seems like 
it's a very like and everyone throughout the, the movie for the most part is like it's a very relaxed environment and I think that she was just like she's just it's a Sunday afternoon for her. Yeah, she's people like, don't have jobs. This is like yeah. post scarcity, all that kind of thing. Yeah, she's I, just kind of like bumming around in space. She probably just was out for a spacewalk, and maybe she's wearing the spacesuit just because she was like, "Oh, people used to wear these. It's like a like a dress up party for one." Yeah, <laughs> I don't think she was doing anything, and I don't think the movie knows. Yeah, what I, she I, was yeah. Doing. I, I don't think the writers had put that much. Thought I, to I it. think the I think it was specifically there to be a sexy striptease. Yeah. And that's how you open the movie. That's, that's, that was the only no reason one, they... <laughs> yeah, no one's arguing that at all. Yeah. So. So, but, like, but that's the world of, from us. I'm trying to think of the world inside the movie. Yeah. yeah but, no, I, okay. just, I don't think they had it. I think this movie was like... It's, it's like 50% movie, <laughs> 30% like sexy fun times, and 20% fashion show. I think that's a pretty good breakdown, if we're being honest. Um, yeah. The, I mean, you're kind of right that basically everyone is in casual mode. Yeah. Like, it could be everyone is dying, but when everyone is dying, they kind of stand still. The most enthusiastic... Like, yeah, I'll be fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most enthusiastic people in the entire movie are the kids when they bring out the weird, creepy dolls. Oh, yeah. I love that. They're having fun. <laughs> so... How we get to the weird, creepy dolls is Barbarella gets a mission sent to her from the president of the president of the galaxy, president of the universe, something like that, some sort of president over over something that is usually large enough that a, a president would not be a sufficient title to cover it. But right, yes. and she just talks to him naked. Yeah, because we're in the future and we're casual people. Yeah, yeah. post shame, we're, we're sophisticated. Yeah. Although, if I'm being honest, and I was the president, she'd be like, "I'm gonna go put some on." He's like, "You're good." And that's basically what happened. Yeah, but I think that his his acting was actually delivered in such a way that it did not feel at all lascivious. It didn't like, until the very end. I was 100% in agreement yeah. with you until oh, the very there end. There is a goes, bad line in there. What does he do? At the very end, he goes, you know, you should come visit me the next time that you're oh, on Oh, yeah, Earth. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. You're on home planet or whatever Right, it is. right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. But, like, ordinarily, like, I think that most of it, they did a good job of acting like people who just don't think about nakedness as being taboo and they're just like I thought that they, I agree with yeah. that there were that line yeah so let's call that a third of a person yeah uh, and then two other people who I think fail that see but the thing is everyone else is fine because other people are are not living within that utopian society it's implied she's traveling to an area that's outside of their jurisdiction and so like so some of those people out there are like not a part of this evolved society they're that's like true. Yeah, that's true they're it's, like more like primitive savage Planet, it's like a backwater planet that she's on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I'm gonna be honest. I didn't realize until we actually met Duran Duran. I didn't know we were on the correct planet. Oh yeah. I just because yeah. she crash landed. Yeah. She could have crash landed anywhere. It oh, happened. Yeah, that's to, true. So she gets sent to go find this guy Duran Duran because he invented a weapon. And oh my god, people shouldn't have weapons in the future because we're in a post weapon society. Now don't stop him. So yeah. here, take, take all these weapons, weapons with yeah. you so you can stop him because no one should have weapons. Which she immediately knows how to use. She's like, I'm not going to use this one, but then takes the others. I don't know where she keeps them because she very skin tight clothing, no pockets. Maybe she's got like one of those video game character pockets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pocket dimension. I mean, basically, yeah. <laughs> and then, so she has to get to this planet, immediately is in peril. The computer says, you ain't gonna make it. Mm-hmm. She goes, yaha, and then crashes on. She made it. So technically she made it, but she broke her ship crash landing on, uh, I'm gonna say Hoth. 
Yeah, it's like a frozen lake thing, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, it's coffee. And then she's immediately captured by two children. Yeah. Who yeah. knock her out and then kind of just like walk her back to their creepy child lair. Yeah. Now, I believe they make her ski back. That's Being true, they pulled do. Because, by because, a like manta ray uh, across ice, which I loved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because after after they kidnap her, and this is the first indication of casual mode. Yeah, she's like, "But I haven't skied in so long." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's like, totally... to being kidnapped <laughs> by two children. And then, so what this movie in that scene made me think of was uh, Logan's Run. Have you guys seen Logan's Run? Uh, a long time ago, like once, yeah. Logan's Run is a movie that I will eventually do for uh, the podcast. But basically, you're divided into oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. society based on your age. Yeah. yeah. And the area where the kids are is a wild land. Yeah. yeah. Like, the kids run freer and in complete control of, like, their own. Like, you don't go there because you'll get moitered. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, this is the this is the late 60s, early 70s. This is, like, the free love era where, like, people... It was, like, the latchkey kids. People just let their kids run out yeah. and do whatever, and there's no parenting. Like, Playing so. stickball in the street. Yeah, exactly. Taking back the night. Drinking from the garden hose. That's right. It's <laughs> it's wild. Uh, Sticking a hoop, whole shebang. Yeah. Um, and so she gets captured by these kids who have really creepy animatronic dolls come to, I assume, destroy... Do they worship... Do the kids worship the dolls? Or It is unclear. Are the dolls sentient? So the thing is, <laughs> I, I think that, much like, I think, the opening of, like, a James Bond movie, this is, like, the fun throwaway adventure before we get to the real adventure. This is a thing in some, like, spy moves and stuff where, like, for the first bit of the movie, you just, like, play have, like, a couple random, you know... Is it picaresque? Is that the where it's like? I don't know. Um, anyway, it's like unrelated, episodic sort of uh, yeah. adventures and, until you get to the real one, and like they're not. It's like whatever. It doesn't matter. It's not going to come up later. There's dolls. Well, yeah. that's what I thought was going to happen. Literally, until we find out who Duran Duran is. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so she's just going on a Brad, bunch of... Brad still laughs every time we say Duran Duran. Like, <laughs> Okay, next question. Did this movie come before the band? Yes. Is the band named after the movie? Yes. Good. That's what I thought. <laughs> I know! It's weird! Uh, So, she gets captured by kids, and she gets tied up. This is the the first death trap of many. Yeah, and the dolls do a very good job of making her a little bit bloody, but mostly just tear her clothing off. Well, as I pointed out, I don't think those dolls could, like, really get anything. They got little creepy metal jaws, but they don't... They They drew blood. But but how, though? There's no... Like, you'd have to, like, stick your finger into the jaw. There's, like, no way for them to pull something into their jaws. They're just, like, there, shutting. It, like, opens... It goes, like, up and down, like, a centimeter. It's, like, (laughs) you you have to, like, be sticking your fingers in there. Apparently, they managed managed to to get okay, But they were were super creepy. Yeah. Oh, very creepy. Uh, And then she gets rescued by a guy who I'm sure has a real name, but I'm gonna call Harry Dude. Yeah. According to the, um... According to, like, looking it up online, his name is Mark Hand, but I don't think they say that. Sure don't. He's just Harry Guy. That's yeah. not true. He may have said, I'm Mark Hand. One time? I'm a collector? Uh, something like yeah, that. His oh, job yeah. is to, like, hunt children. Yeah, he's, like, a child so hunter. So he hunts a bunch of children, successfully hunts them, Yeah. and then they're not on his ship. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what I mean, he brought them all outside, and then they're gone. There's a there's a compartment underneath where they could hear him banging Barbarella. I'm pretty sure he killed those kids. No, you see him later. 
Yeah, that's they're, true. They're the, the, the two and, daughters. I, I mean, isn't his isn't his official job? I not. I would say more than child hunter. I guess he's a child wrangler <laughs> because he he child, which is an actual he, job. He, he, um, he may but, be he may be like freelance. Maybe more of a child rustler. Yeah, because they're they're wild children. He catches them in a net and he brings them to the city of evil. Right. I guess. Because they're escapees. Well, I think what they're saying is that once they become old enough, he's supposed to round them up and bring them back to the city so that they can, like... So they just get birthed, abandoned on the side of a hill, and then they grow up. Yeah. Yeah. And his style. And for some reason, they always make twins. Like... It's weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is this movie weird? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So, and then he talks to Barbara, and she's like, and he's like, you know, I know you've just been through some sort of traumatic experience. I'd really like to have sex with you. And she's like, people don't do that. And he's like, no, <laughs> totally do that. She's what? like, no, they don't. Let me describe how sex works. And he's like, let me describe how fun sex is. Mm-hmm. And she's like, all right, we'll try it. And he takes off his hairy shirt. <laughs> and it's and even looks, hairier <laughs> underneath. Or like, looks the same <laughs> underneath <laughs> a shirt made of fur. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> People shouldn't look like that. <laughs> the 70s and 60s people, were a weird time. People are allowed to be as hairy as they want to be. That's true. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know I'm body shaming a, a dude who I'm sure is long since dead. And I shouldn't be body shaming a dude who's long since dead. But it was really funny. <laughs> you, you want something you can grab onto. <laughs> I don't like any of this. I, I, I don't want anyone grabbing my hair anywhere during the sex. That's not hair is not made for grabbing. I don't know. Depends who you're asking. I'm, tr- I'm trying to spend. There's got to be a reason for it. People yeah. used to like that, right? So Gaston brags about it. <laughs> so there then, was a time. hairy dude and naked lady have sex, and yeah. his ship uh, goes in circles or something. Which I guess is another fun effect. It's just a little model going around with Magnus or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of models. There's You can every once in a while see a string on a ship. Yeah. And it makes me very happy. Yeah. And yeah, it's great. All the all the effects are great. All the sets are great. All and, the costumes are great. And so then as repayment for sex, Harry Guy fixes her ship. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I don't know how he has that technical know-how, but he did it. Because of his... Sled thing. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, so then she takes off in her ship, immediately crashes into the lake. No, that's no she doesn't crash. She's going on purpose. Yeah, she's a Terra drill. Terra screw. Terra screw. It's yeah. definitely a Terra screw. Yeah, <laughs> because every opportunity they have, they have. Why would you say drill when you could, could say, say screw? screw. Yeah. yeah. She, and so she does. It, she does it, it episode one style. Goes through the planet's core to reach the other side. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. I for because I for some reason I thought it was a frozen lake and I lived under the lake. But the more I and then the more I thought about it, I was like, oh no, it's just a frozen outer core of the a frozen outer shell of the planet, and then yeah. the main part of the planet's the core of the planet where it's nice and warm. Well, I actually I assumed it was the opposite side of the planet because I assumed you see sky. Am I wrong or no? Maybe uh, you do because pi- you have to. Pygar flies around it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then she kind of like bursts out. And her ship's broken again, out of the dirt, and then. Oh yeah, because then she has like another weird screen where she's drilling through. She has a screen that kind of is a 
screensaver style representation of flying through space and a yeah. screensaver style representation of drilling through a planet. Right. Kind of just like oh, even like kind of on her like display a... when she's in the thing when when she's like traveling in her spaceship. Yeah. 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 Just I like... always think it looks like she's living on the inside of a lava tube. I've been trying to say lava lamp for like t- <laughs> it's like a lava. It's like a lava and then like, it's like a lava lamp. Like, oh good idea, Brad. <laughs> Three <laughs> Sorry. So she gets to the other side of the planet, walks out of her ship, falls over, and is pa- and, it, and, is, and passes out. Yeah. Does she, she just like is she like trips on her like furry yeah. tail or something? Oh no, no. she gets her new outfit this time. She we're now in outfit three, four. Well, she goes and gets changed after she talks. So her first outfit's a spacesuit. Yeah. Then yeah. she gets changed after talking to the president. She puts something on. Yeah. Flies to the planet. Gets changed and leaves the planet. That's yes. three. Then she puts on a skunk outfit. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, her clothes were destroyed by the evil dolls, and so Harry guy gave her some hair to wear. Uh, <laughs> and then she gets back Here, on. I'll just also I'll show you an outfit based on the hair on my back Basically. and a little from my leg. <laughs> yep. And uh, she goes back, and then she trips over the tail and says, "Ah, I got to get rid of this tail." Right. Puts on her fifth outfit. Yes. To leave the ship, which is basically the outfit she's in. Is that the one, the, the white with the chainmail and the red bikini thing? Yeah. Oh, I think that one's your favorite. That one, yeah. yeah. We, I, we were keeping track over the course of it when I was watching it, when Brad and I were watching it. And, uh, yeah, the, first of all, all of her outfits are freaking great. They're so good. And, like, I just love all of them. And that one's probably my favorite. But it's the fine. green one after that lots is also very good. Lots of go-go boots. Lots of go-go boots. Yeah. And. Although the tail one's very good. The, the furry one is... You don't have to pick. You can, you can like yeah, them all. Yeah, I mean, you can like them all. I mean, that's certainly a huge part of this movie. And the retrofuturism of this movie is real. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. We're going to get to this, but that's the era we're keeping this movie in, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, good. yeah. Good. Because, like, I, like, there are different movies. Like, oh, Back to the Future, when do you want to set it? This movie, when do you want to set it? Demolition Man was a good example where uh-huh. I'm like, when do we need to set Demolition Man? And I wanted to bring it to the present. This movie is so fits the style of retrofuturism yes. that you have to stick with retrofuturism, which is part of the reason why I cast who I cast, but <clears throat> I just think it's important. Uh, and I just thought it was cool. And yes, because of the costumes, exactly. Because you've got to have the weird hoops. Yeah. Uh, hoops. Hoops are so cool. Uh, hoops there's, are lame. There's so, yeah, there, there's the, the little, there's so many like little Futurama things. The, um, Duran Duran's outfit has the little like shoulder, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Duran Duran's outfit has... I'm just so fucking far away from this microphone. It's You're like, doing great. Okay. Um, Duran Duran's outfit has little, like, shoulder things. That's uh-huh. like... I don't know how to describe, but they're little crests. They're, like, all over future things. Like, there's, there's just so much... They're almost exactly the hoops that were described in that episode of Futurama yeah, where they're, yeah, like, yeah. hoops are lame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh, but... So she falls out and she gets... Uh, falls out, falls down, gets knocked out, and she's immediately felt up by Pygar. Yes. Who we find out it's okay that he did this because it turns out he's... Not an angel, but then is an angel the rest of the movie. Yeah, and is also blind. Is, is also blind. Is the other reason that it's okay, okay but not, not okay. An angel. I thought it was opposite. Well, she goes, you're an angel. He says, I'm not an angel. I'm oh. a this. And then he describes himself as an angel the rest he of the time. Yeah, an yeah. angel for the rest of the time. Yeah, yeah. and so... Meh. <laughs> they're in a maze. It's where people who are cast out go. Yeah, the, one, couple thi- one Pe- thing... People are stuck in walls. Couple things real quick. First of all, I really appreciate... The fact that we get to have man eye candy in addition to lady eye candy in the form of Pygar. That's true. Who, like, is, for the rest of the movie, the nakedest one that we will see. Yes. He's pretty well naked. He's also, I, I, I'm fairly convinced that Pygar is asexual. I, I think it's very fair to assume. Because he's, in, he engage, he's like, 
there are people who have sex with Vygar, but he doesn't, like, do anything. He's always just, like, passively receiving. And and there are people who are asexual who do like having sex sometimes. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, but it's the sort of thing, like, I think he's, like, either asexual or demisexual or something like that. But he's, but I think something like that is definitely going on for him, which is cool. He doesn't seem to have much of a drive. And it's kind of fun to to have that included in this, like... Yeah, yeah, I I mean, if you're doing a movie that explores sexuality and talks about different forms of, like, if, if it's a, uh... So if it's a sex-positive movie, you've got to have all different forms of sexuality. Right, right, right. And I, I think that's that's kind of one of the things that we want for this, is like that sort of... Barbarella's out exploring the galaxy and try, and seeing all these new things, and then a lot of it's... Yeah. It's okay to want to have sex. It's also okay to not to want to have sex. Yes, all of these things are fine. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, I think the only other person who comes close to Pygar's level of nakedness is the weird lady who's hanging by, like, nylon rope, who's just, like, oh, yeah. swinging back and forth. Yeah, there are some naked extras. I mean, like, named characters. But yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Named characters, absolutely. Yeah. Also, so, isn't Ping also, like, in a loincloth or something? He doesn't, yeah, but he also has a shirt. Oh, okay. He's yeah. a, a Pygar-style loincloth, but a shirt. Okay. And, uh, so Pygar brings him to meet Ping, who's kind of like the scientist who's kicked out, because Ping will be able to fix her ship, and she'll be able to go do stuff. Yeah. But also, turns out there's, uh, the... What was her name? The... Great Tyrant? Great Tyrant, thank yeah. you. Uh, the Great Tyrant, who just is evil and rules stuff. By the way, do you know who plays Ping? I do. Yeah. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, Marcel Marceau. It's the best fact about this movie. <laughs> and in, in his first speaking role. I believe that. <laughs> yeah. M- Marcel Marceau, if you're listening to this and don't know who Marcel Marceau is, you can look it up. But Marcel Marceau is the most famous mime ever. Like, the, he is the brand name of mimes. And does not do any miming in this movie. Right. Wh- where does... other characters in, in a movie... In which there is an invisible key that plays a very important role. Invisible wall. And also, at the end, somebody who literally gets trapped in an invisible box. (laughs) And Marcel Marceau does none of the miming. Yes. Correct. Although while we were talking, Brad said that was his theory that they were trying to come up with a climax, and Marcel Marceau's like, I have an idea. And then when they're filming it, he's sitting off the side like, yeah, I told you. (laughs) Nothing says drama like an invisible box. (laughs) So the fact that Marcel Marceau's in this movie is amazing and wonderful, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, and so, I don't, and so then, uh, what, Ping says it will take a couple days to fix the ship. You guys go take care of yourselves in the meantime, and Barbarella's like, I know what we can do. Cut, uh, <laughs> cut to the next morning. Yes. And anytime she has sex, she kind of like, laws, la 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 laws to herself, mm-hmm. lying. Oh yeah, there's like, a lot of post- post-coital singing. Post-coital <laughs> singing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, Pygar's flying around like, hey, he has the will to fly again. Good good for him. Yeah. And so they decided to break into the city for reasons I no longer remember. Uh, that's where the tyrant is and stuff. Oh, one other thing that's really cool about the labyrinth, I really liked all of the people that are, like, slowly becoming part of it. They're, yeah. like, beco- they're, like, becoming stone and stuff, like, getting absorbed by it. I thought that was really it's interesting. It's very Pirates of the Caribbean pre-Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is what it is. That's yeah, what I thought of it. We made the same comparison yeah. when we watched it, yeah. Part of the crew, part of the ship, all yeah. that. Yeah. And and so I thought it was great. So and Yeah, one thing I think you could do with, like, Ping that would be cool in that is, like, in a remake, you could have him, like, be a little bit made of rock or, like, starting to go a little crazy, like, a little more so than they do. I think that'd be a, a fun thing to do with him. Like, make him a little manic and a little, a little weird, so. That would work for me. Yeah. It fits in with my casting. <laughs> uh, I like it. So... <gasps> 
mind. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, you're casting famous rock person. No, um, no. <laughs> when we get to casting... Yeah. The, look, yeah. I don't normally talk up some of the people that I have, but the person I have for Ping is perfect, and I'm going... You got, you got some bangers in this lineup? <laughs> oh, yeah. I got some bangers, I got some mash. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't believe you have anyone from MASH. <laughs> Alan Alda's not a good pick for this movie. No. Um, Alright, so we go and we're flying into the city and she uses her weapon to shoot other leather people. Leathermen! Leathermen. <laughs> oh yeah, the ones who are like hollow and explode. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like their way but of... The same graphic over and over again. Yeah, that's their way of having it be that she's like a hero, but... You know, because she's from this, like, non-lethal society, yeah. so they just, much like in an 80s cartoon where they always just fight robots, and, like, you know, that that's, like, that's what they did in the Ninja Turtles cartoon. They made yeah. all the foot clans of robots, so that way they can blow them up. But, yeah, mm-hmm. so she blows up a lot of robots. So, yeah. I mean, for a movie that's all about being non-lethal, for most of the movie, yeah. it gets real lethal <laughs> at the end. Yeah, that's fair. The movie's terrible. Um. Hey, hey now. <laughs> It's a treasure. But you're an all-star. <laughs> uh, Boom. I know. Uh, so they get into the city. They walk into the city. They immediately are greeted by a bunch of people. And Barbarella turns to Pygar and goes, We should get you a disguise, she says, while surrounded by three denizens yeah. of the city. Well, they have already arrived in the city. <laughs> Great. Good contribution from ten feet away, Brad. <laughs> Sam, is it okay if I pour a glass of water? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no more jokes for you. So yeah, they get the city. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, no, yeah, it's they they don't always have the best plans. <laughs> like <laughs> they get into the city, sneak into the city, yeah. agree that they need to get uh, co- uh, disguises, and then immediately are captured. Yeah. Well, yeah, sort well, of. They split up. She uh, gets accosted by a lady who's got, like, kind of a middle exposed. Yeah. And she's got, like, the and the eye patch and the spinning knives. Yeah. yeah. The thing about that person is that, it turns out that's a great tyrant, but also she's the creepiest person in this entire she's movie. She's so good. She's, she's so great. so weird. I like her so much. Uh, she's intense. Like, it's intended that yeah. she be off-putting. Yeah. Because she's I, evil and has, has an absolute She just power. basically maintains eye contact with you at all times. And she maintains eye up. contact with you, yeah. and then maintains eyes contact with you. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I will say that. Like, I I think it was so weird that how little time she spends in that like outfit before the reveal. I actually think it would be cooler to have it like maybe she like saves Barbarella, and you like play this thing out a little bit longer of like she's. Well, you know, playing a double agent kind of thing. What I would do in that reveal. case is I would collapse the great tyrant and Harry dude. Make them the same character. Make Harry do the oh. one that saves her. They go through this. He yeah. goes with her to the city, and then eventually he turns on her. That, that would work. Yeah, yeah. That's totally a valid way of doing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but then she doesn't get to have random sex with all sorts of crazy people throughout it. I mean, she, she still can. <laughs> that's fair. He says she can. <laughs> we'll just add in a few more random people. But that's actually cool. Yeah, I like it. I like her meeting her earlier in the plot in some way. Because then, and, and it could be a fun thing if it's like she finds out what Barbarella's doing. And then she, like, uses Barbarella to get into the resistance because mm-hmm. she's aware of, like, this oh, resistance. Yeah. And then, like, she turns and reveals, oh, I'm this, you know, bad person. Like, and then, like, that's, like... She a, puts a on of, the horn. Yeah, that's, like, that's you your... a horn. That's the all is lost <laughs> moment where, yeah. like, oh, end of act two. Like, you know, she... All that stuff. So, right. anyway. Yeah, I agree. 
uh, Barbarella goes and rescues Pygar because people are beating him up and then they escape into a room that no one follows because it's basically the suicide booth from Futurama. Yep. <laughs> they get rescued by the concierge. Yes. Who takes them to the Great Tower. Yeah. And turns out it was Eyepatch Lady. Yeah. And then Eyepatch Lady is weirdly obsessed with Barbarella because she's so pretty and pure. Then And she also gets a good second outfit too, the black one with the furs and the horn and like Yeah, that was a good outfit. So many good outfits. Which is why that Barbarella and the Great Tyrant are the only two people basically the three eye candy people are the people who are allowed to live. Everyone <laughs> everyone else dies because everyone who we've bonded with because of how attractive they are It's like a reverse horror movie. Yeah. The the young people who have all the sex live. <laughs> That's exactly what it is now that you mention it. It's a reverse horror movie. Although, like, so the weird thing is, I didn't think everybody was going to die because they, the, the positron gray thing, like, makes people disappear in, like, a green glow. And I was like, oh, she'll, like, find a way to reverse it and bring them back. And it's like, no, nope. they just they just die. They're just gone. They're like, all right. And then everyone else gets absorbed by the... The Matmos. Matmos. Yeah. Matmos. The name of the city, by the way, is Sogo, which is supposed to be a, a reference to Sodom and Gomorrah. Nice. Um, so I'm okay with that. That's yeah, clever. That's, look, I didn't realize it, and I'm okay with it now that I know yeah, about it. Yeah, so it's fine. it's good. So, evil, and then it turns it's out... Like, it's like, you know, Tribeca? They like, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, they're, they're, the name for that region that like the cool real estate people call it is Sogo. It's like the Sogo yeah. district. Anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Weeho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is West yeah, Hollywood. No, so Lita, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're right now, we're in no two. <laughs> I don't know. So, <laughs> at some point, Barbarella, I don't remember how she gets to the resistance, but she gets to the resistance. In another death trap, where yep. she's getting attacked by birds. Yep, birds. That's right. Bird death trap. Gets... What if birds, but too many? <laughs> yes, is, is, is that death trap. And, and I'm not then... sure why birds would, like, because they were like sparrows and parakeets. Yeah, they're like... What whatever cheap bird songbirds, whatever cheap huh. songbirds they could get in a pet store, like half yeah. an hour before they had to shoot. And they're Ten deadly because they they starve. I don't know. Yeah. They're vicious man eating birds. I don't know. <laughs> what if birds, but too many? Yeah. That's right. Um, that's great. And so she gets rescued by Dildano. <laughs> yeah, Dildano, <laughs> who I will describe as nebbishy guy who sees a lady and goes. Now's the time. Oh, I love Dildano so much. He's so great. We got a secret fort, and, and I'm the leader of the resistance, and I'm a big boy. And I... Yeah, he's the only person who has emotion in this movie. We have secret I, code names. I actually think that the comedy stuff with the resistance being like incompetent and weird like works really well. I, I again think it holds up very well. Completely agree, yeah. which is why I cast who I cast. Yeah. and you will agree with me because I'm right. All right, mm. we will see. Oh. We'll Br- see. Brad, uh, Brad also has a ringer in this slot. We talked about it a little bit but oh yeah. yeah we'll see it's gonna be and great I, I liked your pick too I don't know if you stuck with you it you guys yeah, talked about your casting oh, while we, we were watching the we movie tried we tried to not together, okay. but sometimes it was unavoidable when yeah. we were watching the movie because we yeah. watched it together comment to future listeners of this podcast don't do that <laughs> future guests of this podcast excuse me future <laughs> listeners talk amongst yourselves all you like this is this is a very small like sample size that you're reaching out to I want you to do <laughs> here's the thing we have literally dozen of listeners, <laughs> and there's a good chance that each one of them will Wait, be a guest. Did you say someone. dozen of, not dozens of? <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> no, we've, we've got we've got a good selection, and there's a good chance that people who listen. So my my guests for the next episode are people who've listened to the show. So it's yeah. great. Cool, cool. They might even be listening right now. But at this point, 
we've already recorded their episode, so time. Time is a flat circle. Uh, so Dildano and Barbarella yeah. have hand sex. Yes. Not that kind of hand sex. Yes. A different kind of hand sex. I'm going to take a pill. The thing that's so great about it is it's, it's, the, it's role reversal of the first scene with Barbarella where she's with the hairy dude and... He wants to have regular sex, and she wants to have mind sex. And now she's like, yeah, this sex thing is great. I've been doing this sex. And he's like, she's like, let's do sex things. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're from, like, the civilized part of the universe. I want to have mind sex. That's, like, what the, what the fancy people do. And she's like, but I want to have regular sex. <laughs> and then they have mind sex. And, and she's like, it's fine. It's fine. I guess. And yeah. then I think the best part is that she stops before him. Like, there's the weird thing where her hair gets curled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was I her think it's supposed yeah. to be mind-blowing. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, yeah. yeah. There you go. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yep. That's and, why the giant fans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then, and then she, like, stops, and she's like, oh, wait, and sees that he's still going, and, like, gets back into it and lets him finish. <laughs> yeah. And then a weird person who shows up to tell them stuff. It's like, yeah, just, it just right. walks in on them. stands it's in the corner so, yeah. for a bit. Yeah. Uh, and, the, and, that, and that's the sex that's less distracting. The one that you literally are, like, unaware of your surroundings. Yes. Well, Re- regular, yeah, they said regular sex was discontinued because it was too distracting, but this one you, like, disassociate from reality <laughs> while it's happening. And... So then uh, Dildano gives her the invisible key so that this lady he just met can go kill the great tyrant. He trusts her for some reason. Even though I think at some point he says there's spies everywhere. Yeah. Hey, let me trust you with our greatest secret. Everybody is very open in this. To her because she's pretty. Yeah. Although at some point Dildano, I I don't remember who it was. Someone turns to her at some point and goes... Are, how do you rate in terms of attractiveness on your on uh, the home world? She goes, I'm average, I guess. I don't know. Who yeah. asks that? <laughs> the, that who, reaction. Who to, asked that? Was that? Oh, was, was that Ping? I think it was right. Or no? No, it was either Duran Duran or Dildano. Okay, yeah. I don't specifically remember who, but I, her it's reaction a weird thing was. To ask. Yeah. It's a weird thing to ask, and her reaction to it was the most part where she like actually seems exasperated and actually seemed like she had an emotion other than neutral. Yeah. I think she has some pretty solid comedy chops now and again. I, I, I think, like, I don't know. I, I enjoy her in this role quite a bit. I, here's the thing. I have nothing against her as yeah. a performer. I think that she fits all the requirements that were expected of her for this role. Yeah. My problem is entirely with the writing and the direction. Oh, I agree. I agree completely. And actually, you know, Jane Fonda had talked before about wanting to remake this movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, wanting to, like, make it a bit more feminist and make Barbarella a bit more of an empowered character. And she never, like, got around to it or, like, making a sequel or something yeah, like no, that. Yeah, no, now she's in but, the, the movie about uh, the ladies who read Fifty Shades of Grey for their book club and it changes their lives. Really? She's is in it, a movie right now called Book Club. It's out now. Is that, it actually Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah, that's the premise of the movie. Uh, but why, why, that, that's such a problematic novel? I couple. don't know. Okay, great. I remember seeing this as a list of movies that you could go watch for through the Writers Guild and, and reading the synopsis for this movie and going, no. If you, if you want a good story about BDSM, I can hook you up. There's so many. There's there's Sunstone. It's a comic book. It has pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. The four, the four lead actresses in this movie, I can look up who they are. Mm-hmm. They're amazing powerhouse uh, actresses. Yeah. Jane Fonda, uh-huh. Candace Bergen... Oh, Diane Keaton. Oh, those yeah. are all like, yeah. Mary Steinberger, Mary Stein Steinbergen. Who's Stein- that? That sounds familiar. Uh, she was in uh, Back to the Future Three. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. She's, she's cool. on. She's on Last Man on Earth. She's great. In yeah, Last Man on Earth. She's great in lots of things. Yeah, she's great. But this movie's 
bad. What? I, I say that. Seen it? I say that you sight unseen. It's a bad movie. Oh, um, what? What? Prove me wrong. I I'll watch it. Yeah, <laughs> we will check back in with you and do a whole mini episode with you. Crap. If you go watch, uh, if you go watch book club. I will Is it out now? Yeah. Alright, I'll watch it. <laughs> and This is the weirdest game of chicken I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to watch that movie. Oh, I'll watch that movie. <laughs> so then Barbarella immediately gets captured again. She gets captured. It's how she the, do? It's her strategy. It's how she do. She gets captured by the concierge and gets put in... I, I, I almost... Actually, one of the reasons I'm so okay with her, like, everybody... On call mode, everybody like being relaxed throughout this movie is. I just feel like if you have that much experience getting captured, <laughs> and you've been in these death traps like all the time, and somebody always rescues you at the last minute, I would start to behave the same way. I'd just be like, "Oh, I got captured. All right, so we'll just wait until I get like, saved." Like, yeah. Here's the thing: she doesn't get rescued from the orgasmatron. No, this is no. one of the problems. She solves herself. <laughs> Does she? <laughs> she does because of her superpower, which is being able to handle lots of sex. Yes, <laughs> She's, her supernatural horniness is her superpower, yep. and she breaks the sex machine, and it's great. <laughs> Look, that is a joke that will probably need to be in a remake. Yes, I, I think it's it's a problematic scene because she does not consent to being put in the machine that pleasures you until you die. Right. But I, I think there are ways to have it be like she breaks the sex machine because she's too good at sexing and the machine can't handle it. There's like ways to do that. If joke, it were me, yeah. the way to, I would do it is you have your op- You have two different options. We can put you up against that wall and shoot you. We yeah. can go into a machine that will pleasure you until you die. And she's like, like I'm going to do that one. That sounds great. <laughs> it's a death by snoo snoo yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I picture just like no you don't understand you this sounds like pleasure but when it becomes too intense she's like yeah yeah, yeah i got it it's fine I'll take my chances. <laughs> and then they do it like all right and then she's like yeah that wasn't bad the people who everyone who's ever gone to the machine has said they wish they chose being shot in the head she's like yeah yeah i yeah, got yeah, it yeah, no yeah that's that's the bit i agree that's good that's very good and that's very good and then when she when the machine breaks because yeah. he's literally playing her like a piano yeah He's real bad, like real, yeah, yeah. like real victim blamey. And you, like, like yeah, no, he, the line he says is, "What sort of girl are you?" Yeah, <laughs> yes. he 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 shames her because he tried to kill her and it doesn't work. Yeah, it's the ultimate victim shaming. Yeah, and then well, like, I mean, he is the villain. I think that's all. That's that's all. That's all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing that's great about it is that. Barbarella doesn't get a shame. She just seems like to not understand what he's saying. She's like, what do you... I don't know. Because, like, like, again, like, it's not like she's suddenly like, oh, and gets ashamed. It's like she still is consistent with that character of, like, not understanding. Yeah, there's nothing to I agree. Yeah, exactly. She feels no shame in this entire movie, and that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's great. keep that because that's correct and proper. Yeah. Uh, Well, whatever. Uh, you, you know what I mean it's correct and proper for writing for her to not feel shame over the different things she's doing because nothing she's doing is wrong if she's intended to be the sort of wish fulfillment idealized character which is what we're going with I right yeah. so then she somehow discovers that the guy the concierge who's trying to kill her is the Duran Duran uh, it's her bracelet that she got at the beginning oh, yeah. it has Starts a little gem that glows when you stay you're right and she decides hey I know you just tried to kill me you should come back to earth with me I immediately forgive you friend yeah, and he says, "Well, I can't because I want to rule this planet." And it turns out I invented Cause weapons because I'm evil. Yeah, yeah, because I've embraced evil. He's, he's, yeah, 
Yeah. Also, the one thing we have talked about, there's a, a giant, like, goo organism that's beneath the city of Sogo called the Matmos. Yeah, Matmos. We, did, we, did we talk about Yeah, Matmos. you said Matmos. Yeah, well, but we talked about it a little bit, but we haven't, like, but basically the whole deal with it is it provides power to the city, but you have to feed it evil people because it's, like, a positive thing. I thought it, I thought it fed on evil thoughts. And it, it does, it, but I think they feed it evil people every oh, okay. once in a while. Like, okay. there's, there's a woman who gets fed to the Matmos oh, okay. and stuff like that. And yeah, and but the thing is, like they they can't they don't want to feed Barbarella to it because she's like pure and innocent and great, mm-hmm. which is like I think it's this is the ultimate. This is for me is a is a moment that like by the movie gets a lot of points with for me in terms of its like in terms of its message and its theme because it's it specifically says that Barbarella is like pure and innocent even though she likes sex a lot and has a lot of sex. It's because of that like lack of shame that's what's pure about her it's not being like virginal you know what i mean which is a different interpretation of that idea of purity which i think is really cool barbarella is instructed by duran duran to break yeah. in and kill the great tyrant so she breaks in to kill the great tyrant then duran duran steals both keys and locks barbarella and the great tyrant in their invisible box yes yeah the, uh, the dream chamber something like that sure. yeah it's 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 a bo- it's, is it inside the madness it's uh, sitting atop the Matmos. Yeah, it's this glass or whatever invisible secret room. Feeding off the evil of the Great Tyrant. Yeah, sure, why not? Something and like that. And <laughs> does that because they're not trapped in there and will definitely die in the, in the super invisible box. Yes. So he can become the Great Tyrant and he takes over. The rebellion occurs because the Great Tyrant's been taken out. And then Duran Duran just starts wrecking shit. Yep. Fires up the, the positronic ray. Lots of murder. Yeah. yeah. Murders everyone. Including Ping and Dildano, which sucks. Yeah. It's lame. It was real sad. It was. I, I didn't think they'd get murdered, but then they get murdered. Yeah. Well, like I said, I thought it was like, oh, they just disappeared in green light. They'll be fine. Nope. nope. Not fine. <laughs> so then the bed that the Great Tyrant sleeps on, that kind of gets consumed by... The Matmos, they're saved because of Barbarella. Barbarella. Yeah. And then they surface, and Pygar swoops in and saves both of them. Yep. And Barbarella asks Pygar, but why are you saving her? She's a great tyrant. She's put you through so much. Yes. And then Pygar says, Best my, line least, my least of favorite course, line yeah. in the and, whole movie. And with the line we're going out on, angels have no memory. Also, who are you? Right. <laughs> yeah. Say that part. But yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, this. I don't think the, this movie read its own script. Yeah, uh, I, I think they wrote it in one go, and at the end, he was getting kind of tired. Like whoever started was getting kind of tired, and then like <laughs> fell asleep right after that line, and then woke up, and they had to start shooting it. and They didn't like reread it. So. Yeah, like I feel. Like, I feel like this is one of the movies where, in the production of the film. The, like, totem, uh, you know, like, hierarchy of, of who's important. Like, costume designer was at the top. Oh, yeah. On, like, the day-to-day <laughs> yeah. show. And there was, like, a writer who, who like, was sitting in a chair, and the writer would, like, pipe up and say, actually, you know what? Nobody cares. Just, <laughs> shut the writer out. So, what, for our remake, yes. how do we want to do this? Because, obviously, we're all on board. It still needs to be retrofuturism. Yeah. It still needs to be... So, so here's what I'm thinking. I, I like the idea that this, that is an action hero, and... The way that I think you do this, because I still think you want the hero to be, you know, to be flawed, to have some relatable qualities. I like the idea that she's basically a sort of, like, secret agent type person who works for this, like, this interstellar government, but it's a time of peace and there's never any problems. So she's never actually been on a real mission. She's, like, 
really real well trained. I like that she speaks a whole bunch of languages because we see that she speaks French and you know mm-hmm. like and I think she should actually be. She real... does keep saying parler vous yeah. français. I, I was expecting her to like go through different languages. Like oh maybe she's from the future. She speaks a bunch of. I think, I think that would be cool too. But yeah, yeah. so I like that she speaks a bunch of languages. She has like a lot of good like training with a gun. She we see she is good with that laser rifle when she uses it. I think it would be fun if she only had stun weapons. Because she's from like a non-lethal, sure. you know what I mean? Like that, that'd be kind of cool. I, um, I think that that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I think um, we should reduce the body count in this movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can have you can have the occasional person dying off, but doesn't like the wanted whatever. But yeah, I think it, it kind of contradicts the message she's supposed to be like from a peaceful. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think that she has like stun weapons and. Like, I think the first person to die should be because Duran Duran kills them. Yeah, and then all of a sudden people are like. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, and I and I, I think it fits with this is supposed to be this kind of like sexy romp fun time. Right, and, and I think it to, a death contradicts that, so it's okay to have that tonal shift at the end. When if that's the first death, then it's like, oh, everybody kind of switches gears. Real. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, they do that, but I kind of like having it more casual. Yeah. throughout the rest of it, and and um, I think you could actually it'd actually be fun like to have an opening this um, where it was like it's Barbarella on some cool mission, and she's like you know shooting people and doing all sorts of action stuff, and then it, you realize it's a simulator at the end and yeah. like mm. she like takes off like a helmet or whatever oh, cool. and there's like a class of like people and she's like talking to them because she's like this like top agent yeah. and then she's like and they start asking her questions like have you ever done a blog she's like well no i've actually not been on real missions i just do the simulate you know what i mean like and and then but then it's like oh we need you for a real mission and then so it's a little bit like wonder woman where like she's in this new world that she ventures into and she's like in some ways like a little too pure and a little too innocent in some ways where it's like that she's not quite ready for how evil certain people can be because she's from a very nice society, mm-hmm. but she's still a badass and she still is like really well trained and stuff like that. I think that could be a fun like way to play I'm good her. with all of that. Yeah. And I, I like the idea of in modern context of movies, most movies have teaser openings, things like that. Like yeah. the, the Matrix, the whole mm-hmm. Trinity right, scene. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Something that establishes the tone of the world and shows how <laughs> awesome our character is. Yeah. Then she gets the assignment. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. And I think, I absolutely think that's the way to go. And I think she goes to this planet and like, like any video game, there's the first boss, that there's the first thing she has to overcome, the second thing she has to overcome, the third thing she fails and then somehow manages to overcome it. Right, yeah, yeah. Standard movie. Yeah, and I, I think we can um, keep a lot of this stuff the same. We can, I, I think that the parts at the beginning, like the, the, the children and the dolls is like, that could be that episode. It could be a different episode, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I think we but can like, do a better death trap. I think sure. whatever our writer is can come up with a better, more <laughs> the, interesting yeah. death oh, trap. Oh, yeah. definitely. I think a lot of the details are going to Right, yeah. I think especially things. earlier on. I think, I like the idea of it progressing in, towards a similar point that the movie ends up at. But no, like, I think, more I think weird, there's, yeah. there's some good stuff there, like with the resistance yeah. and, you know. Absolutely. The, the, yeah, the later part of the movie takes on a little bit more structure. Yeah. I also really like the idea of, I I like the idea of an incompetent resistance because it's not something that they've ever had to do before. I mean, yeah, people don't, like, it's the first time you're ever doing something. You have to, yeah, yeah. it's touch and and go. I I think that the the movie, like, so, like, if we're talking tonally, I think something similar to, like, you know, a little bit like Guardians of the Galaxy or Thor Ragnarok or whatever is, like, sort of similar where it's that sort of thing. It's like, it's it's funny you mentioned those two. It's it's a fun romp a little bit. It has, it has serious bits, but it's like, and I, I think that, I think that, like, a little bit of the, of, like, Guardians of the Galaxy, like, the, the raunchiness can be there a little bit, too, because this is kind of, like, a dirty movie. Like, but maybe a little bit, but since it's more, like, female, maybe a little this bit more movie, bridesmaids-ish, but, like, but you don't want to, like... This but, movie's or, going to get an R, though. It's yeah. A, it's a sex comedy. Yeah. yeah. So, I think you can, 
go full raunchy comedy. I mean, I think for, I think you want to you want to watch it not to like. I don't think you want the jokes to be crude. I think you want to be like kind of like. I, there's I very agree. few of the jokes in Barbarella are actually about the sex. Like it's weird. It's more like weird slapstick comedy, yeah. and then they just like bang sometimes. It's like <laughs> I think I think one thing to this the film's credit in its original version was I think a lot of the humor actually comes from laughing at itself. Yeah, I agree with that as well. Uh, the, I, I think there is an aspect of a, can you believe we got to make this movie? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that some of the jokes kind of play up the fact that this is a really loose... I think that's fair. Yeah. I think that this movie... I think that this movie could have been very, very good because the set pieces, the the, yeah. the costume design are all wonderful. Yeah. And as long as you keep that that sense of place and that sense of world as long as you change the through line and just like kind of make the places you go meaningful yeah <laughs> and you make your main characters competent you make your yeah. important main characters competent <laughs> i think it can be a lot of fun yeah, yeah. I, I think that i think that the the whole the, this movie doesn't know what to do with barbarella like but i think that what you want is i like i think you want her to be a james bond type you want her to be like you want to be her and like be this cool person going on this adventure and like having sex with attractive people and getting in car chases and shooting people. Absolutely. But, but it's at the same time, like there is also some room that if you're attracted to ladies, you can be attracted to Barbarella in this movie. The same way that like James Bond has the scene in Casino Royale where he comes out of the ocean. And like, there's this like very like this, like, this like cheesecake shot of like scoping out his body and stuff like yeah. that, and there's like there's a little bit of that mixed into James Bond as well. And, like, Absolutely, so yeah, that. yeah. It, I think there's a way to do it in a positive, eye candy way. for everybody. Eye candy for everybody, which was actually yeah. interesting because I did a brief skim through the Wikipedia for Barbarella, and it mentions like the, her different people that she's romantically involved with, and it mentioned the Great Tyrant. Yeah. But in the movie, she's not actually romantically involved yeah, with the Great Tyrant, really, which no. I think is a shame. Yeah. The, the, I thought that was interesting. The Great Tyrant, like, hits on her, but they don't actually, like, really... It doesn't really And then she tr- makes out with Pygar because she wants to know what it was like to be with Barbarella. Yeah. So yeah, it felt like, like the Great... Vicarious. Yeah, it felt like the Great Tyrant was into Barbarella and Barbarella wasn't into the Great Tyrant. Yeah. Which, that said, I think that's interesting, too. Yep. Yeah, you you talk yeah. about, like... Because it's a movie, it's yeah. always like, oh, these two people are interested in each other, and it, it's... Uh, well, this person's just going to keep trying until they wear the person down. And, yeah, no. And so you have, like, I'm not interested in you. Okay? Yeah. I, I, I do think, of course, like, obviously, Barbarella's supposed to be this, like, idea of this, like, embodiment of love. It'd be cool if she's pansexual. Absolutely. And also maybe bang some aliens at some point could be fun. Well, that, that again, <laughs> I still think, that now that we started earlier, I still yeah. think that the attractive dude, the hairy dude at the beginning could be the great tyrant, and it's a lady. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can do that. The first yeah. person she I'm has... Totally non-hand sex with yeah, is a lady. I think that's yeah, great. Yeah, that'd be fun. Cool that'd be fun. I'd have to rethink my casting. Well, she meets a hairy man later and has sex yeah. with him for some reason. She can have sex with everybody. Yeah. Um, so let's get into it. Let's talk about Cast. our recasting. Cool, let's do it. Let's start with Barbarella. Yeah. I have a lot of options for all of mine and I let's, just, it's tough. I'm all limited. Don't worry. Yeah, but yeah. I will let you do two for each. Yeah, yeah, but, totally. But, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I'm not going to go crazy. Yeah. So let, let's start there. Who do you have for Barbarella? Um, so, oh, it's tough. Like, I was, I was thinking, like, I mean, I thought, like, Margot Robbie is, like, a really clear choice. Especially mm-hmm. after seeing her in I, Tanya, I thought she's, like, she's able to do a lot of different types of roles. 
Um, I also thought, or like Karen Gillan or somebody like that um, would be cool because she was really good in. Um, but uh, of the two of those, I would lean towards Karen Gillan. And I actually considered Karen Gillan. Yeah, uh, for yeah. This. The only the only other one I, I ever thought about was um, there's was the chick from uh, uh, she was in Atlanta and um, also she played domino in uh, deadpool who's zazie beats you're oh, gonna yeah, really like who i picked oh yeah <laughs> did you pick her i picked zazie beats yeah she's zazie pretty beats is, a, is a great pick yeah yeah i i like that more than karen gillen uh brad who did you have um so i, I had a few um I, I think zazie beats is a good pick i had uh zoe saldana also um, great uh and then um gal gadot but you know yeah, no like come on she already got i know i know i know that's that's why zoe saldana was was my top pick um uh, yeah, uh, I also ha- I also put down Sofia Butella, who um, uh, was in Atomic Blonde. She was the oh yeah, she's oh, yeah. great. And, she was like uh, a, she yeah. was also the Mummy in the most recent The Mummy. I so I cast her in other things before just because I think she's amazing. Yeah. Like, every movie that she's in, she's great. Yeah, uh, and I think I think it's important with Barbarella to get somebody who's uh, has that kind of magnetic draw to them. Absolutely, uh, and that's where I think there are like some sexy people but sexiness manifests in different ways yeah and you want like a very confident kind of sexy that draws people in very friendly that kind of yeah yeah. Um, rather than like I think a lot of like I I have I was like thinking of actresses and I think a lot of actresses right now have this kind of like double layered sexiness where they're like kind of laughing at themselves because they're like I'm awkward ha 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 it's the Jennifer Lawrence problem yeah (laughs) Um, Jennifer Lawrence goes back and forth between being the a sexy person that she is, but also being the Haha, I'm a, it's the uh, manic pixie dream girl. And it's and it, I I think it's just the wrong energy for this sort of thing. I agree. Like, um, so I yeah, but I um, the I re- like, the reason why I picked Zazie Beats yeah is uh, a because she's great in Dom- as Domino, but also because I think she fits the world we're going for. Mm-hmm. I think that if we're going for retrofuturism, um, there's a whole kind of sub part of that called Afrofuturism, mm-hmm. which is kind of taking that to the nth degree. And it's kind of the idea of the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s era futuristic person, the attractive lady with the big Afro doing awesome things and kicking ass. Yeah. I think she kind of fits that look yeah, and while also being incredibly competent. Yeah. I mean, and if, if the whole idea is this, it's the future and it's like, there aren't any problems and everything is integrated and everything's great. Let's have a person of color as a hero. That's totally cool. So, yeah, which yeah. is Zazie yeah. Beats. Zazie Beats. Yeah. I think it's funny that you also had her. Yeah, <laughs> she's pretty great. Yep. Uh, so the, the next person I had was, I mean, we could go in, let's, do you want to go in movie order? Like yeah, the that, was the way, that was the way I, I, I wrote it. So um, the next one I had was Barbarella's Computer. I don't have a really good one for this. It occurred to me, it was like, you know, Alan Tudyk or Bill Hader is probably who would get cast. Cause I, yeah, I, also, I also included Alan Tudyk. I yeah. think he's a good... Uh, he does the voice of the computer in The Tick. He's, he's Danger Boat. Um, <laughs> and he, and I, I picture, like, exactly Danger Boat. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> you, uh, you had another one, though, right? Or, I did have another one, but I don't, I don't think it's the right pick. Well, here's the thing. I kind of collapsed her computer and the president of Earth into one recasting. Okay. Oh, okay. And I made it Siri. <laughs> like, like actual Siri, like Siri or Alexa, just the the kind of concept of the... so. So the president is an algorithm in the future. Yeah, basically, we've put so much trust in these AIs that live in our home that I, they I get so good that they run think, the country. I don't, no, I don't like this. I don't. I'm not is sold it, on this. Is it too real? It's too real. Not, yeah. so I have I have two options. All right, uh, go ahead for president of the universe. Uh, one is Patrick Stewart. 
Um, sure. And he's gonna yeah. when he when he contacts Barbarella, he's naked and she's wearing clothing, and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna like no, really, she calls him or something." Oh, that he's like, makes it better. That, that, I, I, that, it, it definitely makes it worse. Oh <laughs> no, naked naked Patrick Stewart. I think they I think they either. Both need to be naked, and it's, naked just, right, and it's right. just and the like the computer connects is... them, and they're both like, "We're not ready for this phone call." But if someone or, or naked if... calls someone else, that's definitely that's sexual harassment. No, no, no. Barbarella calls him, and he's like, "Oh, I'll get a garment." And she's like, "Don't bother." And he's like, "All right." And then they just talk, and he's like, "Barbarella," he's like, "All serious." I mean, I think if you if you're trying to still have at least one of them be naked, they just both be naked, that's fine. and they don't say anything. About that's fine. It. They yeah. just like they just like have a normal conversation. <laughs> They're just like fine with it. I think you can do like, that if you make the joke where they both were thinking that it was uh, put a put a call into, and it's like, okay, great, uh, video call connected. What? No, not video. And then it connects, and then it, it's the president saying, "What? No, not." It connects, and he immediately says the exact same thing: "What? No, not video." And then yeah. they're both naked. And they're like, yeah. "Should we go get dressed?" Nah, yeah. And I don't see any reason why we shouldn't cast uh, the poop emoji from the emoji movie. No. no. <laughs> Do you know who plays the poop emoji? Patrick Stewart. Does he? Okay, oh. great. That's oh. fine. Yeah. That's the That's joke. The joke. I don't know. What you're t- I didn't watch the emoji <laughs> movie. Uh, the only other one I was thinking was Jane Fonda. Yes, Jane Fonda. That was my pick. <laughs> President of the Universe, Jane Fonda. I'm I'm a lot more likely to pick Jane Fonda. Yeah. Jane Fonda's great. All right. Why would she not be the president of the universe? It's <laughs> the perfect role. Great. Did we decide on a computer? Or I'm assuming just, Alan too. Are we just going Alan? Oh, that's that. fine. That's fine. As opposed to no, I don't <laughs> my, my other pick for the computer was Billy Eichner. No, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, that brings us to so we did the president. So the next person is Weird Harry dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we may end up collapsing this with our great tyrant later. If we don't do that, yeah. let's cast who we originally sure. had, and then we'll She'll talk bang about a weird hairy dude at some point. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing: it's a weird hairy dude because that's our concept of it. But he's yeah. probably one of the sexiest dudes around at that time. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. need to be hairy. So I went with one of dude. the sexiest dudes that's around right now. Yeah, Tom Hardy. That works. Oh, Tom Hardy's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I was thinking Idris Elba. Idris Elba's also good. I was also strongly considering Idris Elba. He's pretty great. I think unless we are, um, in, unless we are changing the casting and like folding this in with um, the Great Tyrant, the role that this that it, it, that he serves in this movie is that he is the traditional masculine male. Yeah. Um, and like it, it, as opposed to like Pygar, who is nice and like reserved and like this is the macho the, one yeah this is like the macho one he, and it's here's the thing about pygar i think pygar fulfills the role that women traditionally filled in these old school action movies yeah uh, the attractive person who doesn't do anything and is just a pretty face who's there yeah. to agree with he's, everything he's that the, the hero yeah. does the, yeah so did, who did you have for, yeah, you for have? The, the hair guy um i had uh jeffrey dean morgan <laughs> I don't know who that is. He is the he is the equivalent of that guy in. in he, uh, he played the comedian in Watchmen. Um, yeah. he's, he was on um, so Walking Dead. I, I have I have one Here's more. Here's my question for you. Yes, how old is he? Yeah, he's probably too old. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so that's a good point. The only other one I had is like I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, what is the for me the archetype I was thinking about is this is the big strong person who like you know saves you out on the ice who's like the 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 person who lives out in the wilderness who's like uh-huh. hunts yeah. seals something. I was like, so who went off that? Gwendolyn Christie. <laughs> Here's the thing about Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah, 
Last episode, uh-huh. we cast her. Too bad. And we've cast her. We cast Gwen Christie a lot, which is yeah. great. I love yeah. Gwen Christie. All right, that's fair. But that was not what I was thinking. Gwen Christie's a great choice. Yeah, she's a Mark Hand type. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Gwen Christie's fantastic, and yeah. I stand by Gwen Christie all the time. All right. But anyway, but yes. So, so we need a, we need a we need a pie guard or uh, well, for Weird Harry Dude, are we doing Tom Hardy or Idris Elba? I would lean Tom Hardy's younger, right? If yeah, that's very fair. Younger, which is why yeah. yeah. Uh, which I think I think we do have a, a range of partners in this movie, but we probably don't want to go too. The, the only I think a range of partners is important, but I also agree that you don't want to do like the the twenty something and the fifty something. Yeah, yeah. The, the only issue is that, like, I mean, we, we'll talk about Pygar. Are we going to have another white dude for Pygar? That's not who I cast. <laughs> okay. Because I, I have the best Pygar, which is Ryan Gosling. No. Um, uh, is, he'd be fine. <laughs> That's fine. Who are your Pygar? He's, he's so good at being vacant. I just my, love him. <laughs> I really like Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling's good in everything I've ever yeah. seen him in. My, my Pygar is Chris Pine. Um, yeah. I think we saw in Into the Woods that he can... He can Stand in the background while the lady uh, sings, and, and I think we saw. But but I'm thinking more of the Chris Pine in Wonder Woman, um, especially. But then he's the Chris Pine in Wonder Woman. He kind of is. And, uh, I, I I think he could do that. My other Pygar, who I think is uh, even more physically impressive, would be Terry Crews. Yeah, <laughs> we also cast Terry Crews a lot because Terry Crews is also great. Uh, but I love I like the idea of Terry Crews. Um, and he gets, he's so nice. He's so he nice. Is. In terms of casting someone who's so nice, I cast uh, Lamorne Morris. Who's that? He is Winston, the new girl. Oh, he's so great. Oh, and he's so nice. Yes. And he's an attractive guy. Yeah, but he's not necessarily competent. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah that could work. And that—that's why I is, would. Is perfect, he? I'd be perfectly happy with Ryan Gosling though, because you want to cast some eye candy. <laughs> that's some eye candy. Yeah, and I just—I just picturing. His his performance in the movie Drive is very similar to Pygar's performance in this movie. <laughs> Not saying a lot. Yeah, just being being a, a, a an attractive cipher. I mean, it's kind of what he does in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Also, yeah, it's great. <laughs> but but he has like, a, more intensity than I think of Pygar as having. Pygar's more cash. Yeah. yeah. So is it possible we haven't really found who? I mean, we want his, for our I mean, his, his the the whole like an angel doesn't. Yeah. Okay, like, here's my next question. In our remake, should Pygar be an angel? There are other fantasy figures that Pygar could be. I don't care. Pygar could be a centaur. I, I like I like the scene. See, I like the flies. scene with the flying with him carrying her and her shooting down spaceships. Yeah, I think that's, that's a like a fun scene chase too. scene, so yeah. I mean she could also be riding on his back shooting down things <laughs> if he's a centaur. Which I haven't put any thought into it, I just thought of it right now. But yeah, I mean you want to do a sexy like thing and if someone's hung like a horse, not important. Nah, nah, yeah, nah. The, the jokes are there. Jokes. Uh, I, I'm perfectly happy leaving him an angel. I just yeah, yeah, I like Angel, but yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with any of the ones we've suggested, so. Yeah. But it sounds like we're not super enthusiastic about any of these, so let's circle back around. Okay. Who, I'm, I'm going to go last for Professor Ping. Okay. Because I'm pretty sure I'm right. Okay. I had a, yeah, this was, this was a really hard one. This one's kind of a wild card slot. It's one of those ones where there's not a lot there to the role, and it could be taken, this is one where it's like, it's not like a load-bearing role, so right. you can do like a lot of very silly it's, things with yeah. it. Um, so like, I briefly considered like Jane Lynch. Right. Um, okay. Or, or like Tom Waits. Um, oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, the last one I thought of was was Tim Curry. <laughs> like I was, I was trying to think of what's the equivalent of Marcel Marceau today. I want someone oh, who's no. like, it's like, yeah. So. Don't worry, I got it. Yeah. All right. 
Brad, go ahead. Uh, these are these. Uh, I thought if you were doing more typically like what the role was a one to one, I guess. Yeah. Th- then I would go Stanley Tucci. <laughs> That's fun. Um, uh, we, I just think he would do a good job. Uh, but as you were saying, Claire, that you know you could have a little bit more flexibility. Yeah. Somebody who I think would take the role in a new and fun direction that I think would fit the tone of this movie would be Kate McKinnon. She's also great, and I agree that she would probably do well in this role. But I would you cast someone that young and attractive. I kind of see her as being kind of an alternative sexual partner for uh, Barbarella. If she doesn't have to if be. She doesn't have to be. If Kate McKinnon's in this movie. She's making out with Barbarella. I'm just saying. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to have that. to. Yes, I mean, she does. <laughs> but that's the whole point of the movie. Is she doesn't have, have to. You you have you have different people, and you don't. And I it, it I don't goes, I don't disagree with you. But I feel like at that point we're at that point we're actually getting into audience expectations and we're actually setting up the audience to be disappointed I because mean, of I mean, exactly Claire's reaction because of that's, that's, that's just because I don't want to kiss <laughs> queer icon Kate. McKinney. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe you have a kiss and then and then they're like, oh, nothing there. No, and then you get to, and then you get to have. Because, don't like, don't don't tease me with Kate McKinnon. All right, all right. Well, maybe she won't even be in the cast. Right. What, what so, do you got? Here's the thing: if you're originally going to have Marcel Marceau, yeah. this this mind, this person who's famous for being silent, you're finally giving him a speaking role, and they're finally going to have this opportunity. I think I know what you're doing. You know exactly what I'm doing because the correct casting for this role is Teller. Yep. I knew it. <laughs> and here's the thing. Oh, this it. would not be Teller's first speaking role in a movie. Okay. Yeah. What was that? I just saw a movie last Friday. Mm-hmm. Not yesterday, but a Friday ago. It's a movie called The Director's Cut. And it was written by Penn Jillette, which is why Teller is in it. Makes sense. But the basic premise of the movie is Penn Jillette plays an obsessed fan who's obsessed with the lead actress in the movie. And he's a main Kickstarter funder for this movie, so he helps... Funded, so they have to have him on set. And he ends up stealing the, the footage of the movie and kidnapping the lead actress. And he cuts together his own version of the movie and films his own scenes with the lead actress and cuts himself in. But in the world of the movie, they're investigating a, a psychopath, copycat, uh, serial killer. And this complicated. <laughs> it, it's a complicated movie. It's super meta, but it's amazing. And I, I think you both would really enjoy it. But the first false lead they have, the first person that they arrest because they think they found the copycat killer is Teller. And Teller plays someone who's just slightly off, slightly crazy. Oh, cool. But is also funny about it. Yeah. And for the first five minutes Teller's in the movie, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. But then he starts talking, and he's a remarkably good actor. Because remember, he was a Latin professor. He's an English and Latin professor. And in Penn and Teller, Penn says this all the time... The magician's teller. Yeah, yeah. Penn's the showman, the yeah. comedian, the juggler, and yeah. also the distraction. <laughs> the yeah. distraction. So teller can do amazing magic and things. So yeah. when I think of someone who's incredibly competent. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I'm known I'm, for being I'm silent. Cool. Teller, yeah, I'm cool teller. I think I'd be teller. Fun. Yeah, sure. sorry Tom Waits. Sorry Tom Waits. <laughs> Good, you win. Uh, so what do you want to do next? Duran Duran, Great Tyrant. Well, we meet... Who do we meet first? Do we meet the concierge or do we meet the great tyrant first? I don't know. <laughs> Let's talk about... Let, let me talk about Duran Duran. Just because yeah. my Duran Duran's a little bit one for one. Sure. My Duran for Duran is Alfred Molina. Yeah. I mean, that's the person who has the same vibe, I hope. Yeah. 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 That was... Yeah. I, that one occurred to me. Yeah, I don't know. Um, that's why I'm introducing it first. It's like, good. this yeah, is yeah. who we have. He, this is a yeah. baseline. Yeah, yeah, Can yeah, we totally. talk it? 
So I, I I'm fine with Durandra. I have two really left field picks, um, I love it. and neither of them, neither of them would hold up to the concept that she doesn't recognize Durandran because he's like aged a lot because of the evil. So my question is, is that essential to the, to the movie? Because there are, there I are, mean, she has to not recognize yeah, Durandran. There are there right. are different ways of handling it. But you could it, do it in another way. Yeah. yeah. Holograms, whatever, like, I don't know. There's yeah. all sorts of... So, so th- yeah. That's fine. But who are you thinking? Yeah. Because uh, it also bothered me a little bit that it was, like, this old guy, and he puts her in the device. And puts he in the orgasmatron? Like, like, yeah. It's just kind of... Yeah. yeah. What's, it's, it's what's the... Uh, who you got? So I got Dane DeHaan, uh, who was um, Valerian. Um, oh, yeah. And, he's and, good at being a creep. Yeah. He's, he's really good at being he's creepy. So he's so good at being creep. I think he would do the evil turn really well. Yeah. I think he could also play the concierge bit when he's the concierge. Yeah, um, I think he would be a good evil turn, uh, but I think I like my other pick even better, which is uh, Taya Sikar from Good Place. She's the real Eleanor. Oh, she's great! And oh yeah, she is she's, so great. She's good at, at that. Yeah, and yeah. I think it would be so fun if she turns out to be evil. Yeah, and I think she one. would be a great concierge bit. At yeah, the I agree. Yeah, yeah. I was just looking her up today for something else, but she's great. I would absolutely do Tyus right. Car. She's so, so great. Here's here's my two. Okay. One, Jermaine Clement. <laughs> yep. Makes sense. Makes total sense to me, especially if he's going to be playing her like a piano. Yep. yep. Number two, Bob Odenkirk. That's weird. See, I, I think he he does he would do a good job of like you meet him and he seems like he's your friend. Like Bob Odenkirk could just be like the little toady guy uh-huh. who's like the underling. Or he could be a, bit, a good villain. Like, I think he could go either way. Isn't like, that the premise of Better Call Saul? Like, he starts kinda. as the weird toady guy, but he becomes, like, an sort actual of, real yeah, villain. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that, I thought, yeah, I think that both of those, like, Jermaine Clement also plays the main villain in Men in Black 3, and he's so good in that. He's yeah. good at a lot of things. Yeah, yeah. Like, Jermaine Clement is awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. I so, love the idea of Jermaine Clement. Like, I would lean towards J- Jermaine Clement for weird hairy dude. Yes. Oh, he'd be good for that, yeah. Like, I would replace t- uh, Tom Hardy with, with Jermaine Clement. <laughs> sure. And then I would uh, say her name again. Uh, Taya Sirkar, I think. S-I-R-C-A-R, Sirkar. Like, I would do Taya Sirkar for Duran Duran, and uh-huh. then Jermaine Clement for Weird Harry Dude. Would that be okay? Yeah, he can be Weird Harry Ice Hermit. Like, I'm sure he yeah. can pull that off. <laughs> Just fine. Look, if there's someone to teach us about love. It's it's the man with those those puffy, puffy lips. That's right. Oh, it's, oh. Ma- it's, the, it's the man who's just so shiny. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So that brings us to The Great Tyrant. Yeah. I went with Missy Pyle. Who's that? Did you see... Did you see Josie and the Pussycats? Uh, I have not seen Josie and the Pussycats. First of all, Brad's very upset with you. Uh, second of all, it's Missy Pyle... Oh, her! I just looked her up on my phone. Yeah. yeah. She's freaking great. She is. She's been in a bunch of things. She's never been, like, the lead person, but yeah. she's the sort of yeah. person who kind of can do, like, that weird eyebrow raise and be villainous, yeah. but also be super friendly and amazing. Yeah. Right, right, right. I don't know if she perfectly fits our notion of having the great tyrant being the weird hairy dude from the beginning. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know, I think we really want, like, this is, like, we want a, a really sexy lady in this one. I think this is another one where we want, like, the total, like, uh... We need the, we, we need the narrative opposite. Yeah, so... Um, the, the two that I came up with, I thought Kristen Ritter would be good at this. She would be very good um, at this. The other one I thought was, was uh, Ruby Rose, I believe her name. I've um, heard of her. She's, she's in John Wick 2, and she's been in a couple other movies. She is amazing. She's a very good actress, and she just has this like incredible screen presence. She's really like commanding. Oh, yeah. Between the two, um, I'm definitely leaning towards Ruby Rose. Yeah. Right she's, she's, she has a, a very unusual look, and she's like, yeah, she's just like 
I, I, I just like whenever she's on screen, my my mouth just hangs open. She's just so great. Like, yeah, she's great. But Brad, who did you have? Um, I chose two people who I think would be really good at seduction and that kind of intensity, um, and also who so could they maxed do, out their charisma. Who could do evil? Yeah. Uh, well, but there's a sort of thing with Great Tyrant that you feel like they're always in control and absolutely. Like, yeah. So. Um, so uh, I, I actually circled around because I thought it might not happen for Barbarella, and I thought Sophia Butella could do this one as well. Um, <laughs> but my other pick is Natalie Dormer. Oh, she'd also be really good because she's—I mean—that's essentially the character that she is yeah, that's in yeah. Game of Thrones. Yeah. She's the she's Marjorie Tyrell. She's the manipulator, the person who's yeah. in complete control. Yeah, and I think she would be a good job, uh, do a good job of being like the in disguise version. And then also the, the evil version. So I, I think that's my better pick is Natalie Dermot. Yeah. That's tough. Between... I still I still like... See, the thing is, I don't think the way you... Pl- I would want the character played as, like, innocent when she first shows up. Because I, I, I like the idea that she's the badass chick with the eye patch and, Absolutely. like, the knives. And the, because the way you play her is not, like... Is not like oh she's so good because then you expect her to turn. You uh-huh. play her like she's this rogue badass who yeah. they team up with who's like a little bit yeah, uncontrollable. She's, she's, she's like the outlaw. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen this this actress, so I'm just totally biased against it because I don't know her. <laughs> therefore, she's bad. But yeah, that, oh, have you seen uh, Kingsman? Yes, is she she's the... the one with knife legs? Oh, I like her a lot. Yeah. <laughs> she's really good. She's really good. Oh, she's, I've used she's her, I've used her before for this podcast, but she's. And she's, she's about to be um, the lead in Picnic at Hanging Rock. I don't know what that is, but great. Good for her. It was a play. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, if you've used her before, I mean... I've used her before, which is why I'd lean more towards Ruby Rose, because I'm, I I'm love well, Sophia Batella. Yeah. I, I will say, though, yeah. Uh, girl with girl with knives for legs and King Moon is freaking great. So. And she's already an action star. Yeah. And... the. I love Sophia Batella, but she's played these sort of characters before. Yeah, yeah. Like, she is the opposite to, uh, why am I blanking on her name, in Atomic Wand. Oh, Charlize um, Oh, Charlize Yeah, she's, yeah. The, she's essentially the great tyrant character to Charlize Theron yeah, in yeah. Atomic Wand. That's so fair. she's done this character before, the sort which of, is why like, she's the, the perfect fatale. casting, yeah. yeah. but she's done it before. Yeah. Right. So I think we should go with Ruby Rose. Sure. For that reason. Cool. But again, top-notch. Love her. Great pull. Yeah, She's yeah. amazing. Cool. Sounds good. Which leads us to the revolutionary. Ah, yes. Dildano. Dildano. <laughs> okay. So, I was... Con- so, my, my pick for this, one of them, I, um, I was considering... Uh, you could do Joe Latrulio. You could. Um, he's, he's great. The other one I was considering, same show, uh, <laughs> was uh, Jason Manzukas. Also, I, I think he also would do good. a very good job of frantically searching around the the very messy base for like the key and the pills and like being super manic. I love so, both of those, and they're both kind of in the vein of who I picked. Okay, also for the exact same reason because I picked Charlie Day. Charlie oh, Day would be Charlie very good Day at this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And frankly, all three of these people would be perfect. Except, I think Brad has the best pick. I don't. Uh, I don't. I. It's it, when I w- was watching it, I said Thomas Lennon. Fair. Who, who would who, be really good? Who rocks but, a pair of tan shorts and a mustache. He but, does, but I think but he's, he's too confident. And I think he might be too old. He's definitely point. too old yeah. at this point, which is why I might go with somebody else. Um, this one, I also had a gender flip that I want to see if you guys uh-huh. can right. get on board with. 
I think who would be great to to be have this little fort and little thrown together operation would be Kristen Shaw. Oh, she'd be good at that. Yeah. <laughs> Every time someone says Kristen Shaw, I have to reference an old sketch that Kristen, Kristen Shaw is a horse. Yeah. Every time someone says Kristen Shaw, I go, "Oh, Kristen Shaw is a horse." But if someone's not familiar with that, they think I'm just being a monster. <laughs> Even though it's one of the funny, for no reason, funniest sketches that's ever existed. Yeah. Kristen Shaw's a really good pick. She's, she's just, she has she's a, so great. She has a very Dildano-ish energy. And I really want to feel her to like... <laughs> I think she would be great in this sex-positive movie. And she's just really... Yeah, she's like, so? And she's in a sex-positive movie. I want to have that. I want to have mine sex. And she's like having like a weird like awkward orgasm face. Like yeah. She'd be very good at that. And I just finished watching Gravity Falls and she's great in that. Yeah, she's made she's, great in everything. Okay, Kristen Shaw. So we have Jermaine Kirsten. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's fine. It's fine. This should all be like comedy people anyway. Absolutely. Which is going to make me really happy when when we get to director. Yeah, by the way, I've not been keeping track of how much we've been gender flipping and not gender flipping these days. It doesn't matter. We might not have guys at this point. (laughs) We have some guys. All right. But that brings us back to Pygar. Yes. Who, our our three were uh, Lamorne Morris, Uh, Ryan Gosling, and I, I I think my favorite is Terry Crews. Yeah. Of Michael Sarah. No, absolutely not. Hard pass. <laughs> I'm just trying to pick like little Willie boys. We can pick an attractive guy who's a comedian person who who are some of the people we haven't used that would fit Pygar. Like it just a new suggestion for it? Yeah, it's kind of what you did with uh Sophia Batella. Oh, you mean from our current list? I don't know if we really have anybody like that. Because Pygar is tough. I mean, I just think like he's kind of a blank slate. Yeah, I think like you could always do like Chris Hemsworth or something because yeah. I mean he he kind of did that I in would, Ghostbusters. I would already. do Liam Hemsworth. Yeah, that's fair. Chris he's Hemsworth. a little more svelte. Like yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and Chris Hemsworth, I don't think could be take a backseat charisma wise. That's fair. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. Um, but my my problem with Pygar is the way Pygar is in this movie now. I think just casting the attractive person works. But for if you for the way I think the movie needs to go. Like the way we kind of expect these movies to be these action movies is he's the attractive person, but he's also kind of the damsel in distress. Yeah. How about a, I think he needs about, to have a, a kind of a wry comedic sensibility to it. How about Channing Tatum? I guess that, that's closer. I think that that's a lot more similar. Like I'd be more inclined to cast someone like Zach Efron. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, Zach, Zach Efron was briefly on my list. I don't. I don't always love his performances. But... <laughs> that, which, yeah, someone like Zac Efron. Yeah. So someone who kind of can do that comedic thing while also kind of being this sexy guy. Yeah. Weird Zac Efron story. I have a client uh, for my day job, my bookkeeping job, where I have to go to the Fox lot. And I happen to go there one time. And as I'm leaving and walking to the elevator, Zac Efron walks out of the elevator area. And he's surrounded by like seven dudes who just like are his posse that are just following him around. And they were they all looked exactly the same. <laughs> and it was really weird. Yeah. Alright, well, we, so, we we have a little list, so what do we so think we're Here's about? what I think we can do. And I've used this guy on what's, the podcast who's, before. Who's the Winter Soldier? Oh, Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan. Yeah. We could do Sebastian Stan Stan, but I'm gonna do a uh, a left field casting, and I have used him on the podcast before, but I think he's good casting for this. Manny Jacinto. Who's that? Jean Yu. Yeah, I I actually briefly considered. I was thinking of like good place people. And I was wondering if there's place we could put him in. Oh no, no better than John Yu. Oh my god. Okay. Uh, the uh, he's the guy who, um, the guy who's John Yu's friend who's in other space. I don't know what this. What? what? 
this actor. He's been in a bunch of things before. He is Eugene Cordero. This guy. As Pygar? As Pygar. He has, this, he has this weird moment in other space, which you guys haven't seen, but I highly recommend it because it's weird and it's sci-fi and it's funny. He has this moment where he's playing this kind of like idiot guy the entire movie and then he gets stuck on a planet with this lady and they have to like use their clothes for something and he warns her I'm like be warned I have, an ex- I have a weirdly attractive body and he takes off his shirt and this guy when, you, he, when he's fully clothed you're like okay cool he's kind of a nerdy dude whatever he takes off his shirt and you're like damn this guy is hot <laughs> and I think that's funny if like he starts as like this weird guy and then some reason just like how Barbarella had her clothes kind of torn off of her for right of a reason that happens to him and all of a sudden you're like I mean, he, How did this happen? Is he going to be spending most of the movie in his little loincloth? <laughs> yes. I think for the same reason that Barbarella did in the first movie where like, he gets attacked and something destroys his clothes mm-hmm. and he's just stuck that way. Right. And I think it's funny if it's a reveal how attractive he is. Yeah. I'm okay with not doing that. That's I'm, my pitch. I'm okay with the care. I'm okay with the casting. Um, I looked him up on my phone. I I'm okay with the casting. I I, I don't know if we would present it that way. I'm fine with presenting it the way it is. It is in the movie of just having to be this weird awkward dude. He also plays a voice on Steven Universe. I I was looking it up. And Who's he, plays, he on Steven Universe? He's uh, Jamie the Mailman. <gasps> he's so good. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm I'm down. I'll I'll get on board with him. Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm open to other suggestions. No, I think that's fine. No, I'm fine with that. So that's everybody. For our cast. Yes. That I have. So now it's time to talk about writer-director. Yeah. Now it's possible you could have a writer-director or you could have a writer and a director. Yeah. Do either of you have a writer-director? Uh, I had I had both options to do either a writer-director or a writer and a director. So, so. let's do your writer-director last and we'll talk about our writers first and okay. then we'll do uh, your writer-director. So just tell us about your writer first. Mm, writer, I think my first pick is Rachel Bloom. Who's that? She's uh, the... My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, I don't see that. She's great. She, okay. She's really great. She does comedy really well. She mm-hmm. does physical comedy really well. She does sex positivity really well. Cool. She does. Um, and I think she's somebody that would write a good script and um, people would be comfortable working with. And I think she would get the humor of it. Cool. I think that's actually a good suggestion. So I, I have a couple. Um, one I was thinking is Nicole Perlman who uh, wrote the first draft of the Guardians of the Galaxy script. Mm-hmm. Um, it was rewritten by James Gunn, but she's also been like a sort of background staff writer on a lot of Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. And she's like, has a lot of upcoming work. Um, and so I think she would be really good. Cause from what I understand, like a, a decent amount of that script was her. And I think like, you know, kind of R-rated space romp, like she's yeah, already done yeah. one. So I think she'd be good. The other one that occurred to me is a bit of a weird pick is Diablo Cody. <laughs> Um, oh, so of, of Juno. She wrote and young Juno. Adult. Oh crap! Sorry, it's fine. Um, she wrote Juno and um, Young Adult, and she also wrote Tully, which just uh, I think she's which, an interesting choice. Yeah. I don't know what how strong her sci-fi chops are, but I certainly think she can do young sex romp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Tully was very good, by the way. If uh, uh, that's my understanding. Yeah, yeah. And she does a very good job writing uh complex multiple complex interesting female characters and that kind of thing you yeah, don't so. necessarily have to be likable because young adult amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I think she's a she's a cool dress like but like has she, I'm, has I'm she not done so. like the kind of high paced stuff that this entails because most of her stuff is kind of deadpan comedy and that's true i mean it's it, dark comedy is yeah. how i would describe her yeah that's as fair. opposed to space comedy like i'm a lot more likely to pick the person who pit who wrote guardians, guardians of the galaxy yeah. 
the reason I would shy away from that is because she's already in Guardians of the Galaxy, but then it wasn't really her movie because then it got turned into James Gunn's movie. Right, right, right. So let her, like, you know. Yeah. yeah. So both of those are great suggestions. The two that I had were Melissa Rosenberg, who was a writer on Dexter, on Jessica Jones, and yeah. someone who, like, is this known comedic writer. Uh huh. And then I also was thinking about. Those are comedies? <laughs> no, they're not. But I was thinking, but that was like sci-fi. They're, they're sure. not. Yeah. That, that's who I had. And then yeah. I wanted to have uh, Jennifer Caton Robinson, who did Sweet Vicious, for like a joke punch-up. What's, who's that? Sweet Vicious? What's that? Yeah. It's, it was around, it was, everyone's upset that it was a cancer because it was a really good show, but basically the premise of the show is uh, there's a girl who gets raped on a college campus or uh, is sexually abused on a, sexual, uh, on a college campus and so she goes around killing uh, college rapists and college right. sexual abusers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a show that's supposed to be charming and funny and is very well regarded and my understanding is that it was cancelled far too soon. Alright. But I'm more pulled towards both of your options. Well, Bryson said what's, what's, oh, Rachel Bloom is Oh yeah, that one. But yeah, but I, yeah. I think she'd be best if we're punching up the comedy aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe she could do a, a, a team up with somebody else. But, yeah. Um, do, I, I still think that she would be best at, at getting the comedy right. Do, do I you think want, Guardians of the Galaxy is the ladies. Say her name again. I'm sorry. Uh, Nicole Perlman? I think Nicole Perlman's actually a really that, cool That would be idea. my second pick yeah. of the ones that we've suggested. Mm-hmm. What, um, who do you have for a writer-director combo? Do we want to? Yeah. Tell well, us. Well, see... James Gunn. <laughs> ah. I don't think what we want to do. No, and I think and I like James Gunn, but James Gunn do, has done his sci-fi yeah. comedy. Yeah, and I think I immediately forgot her name again. Nicole Perlman. Nicole Perlman. You mentioned her in a previous episode. Did I? Yeah. Um. Oh, which one was it? I'm really bad with names, so I'll research and find things out. Yeah, yeah, and, and then, then forget I, it. And yeah, then yeah. I, like, I know how it is. I remember that information. Yeah. So I would personally go with Nicole Perlman, uh-huh. given the option of the two, and then let's talk about. Director. Okay. Uh, you know what? Let's do Nicole Perlman with Rachel Bloom for Joke Punch Up. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I think that would be a good way to combine. Nicole Perlman writes it. Rachel Bloom punches it up. Is what you just yeah. said? Yeah. You just said Rachel Perlman. Oh, whoops. That's <laughs> <laughs> actually combined. They're, they're merging into one person. <laughs> yeah. Rachel Bloom is really a smart choice too because she does the sex positive. She's she's comedy. really great. Cool. Yeah. I need to watch the show then. You do. Let's talk about director. Yeah. So I think the elephant in the room is Patty Jenkins. Yeah. Like, I mean, she did a real good job directing Wonder Woman. Like, yeah, my yeah, all of I my think. issues with Wonder Woman, I think, are, like, at the script level. I think the directing is very good in that movie. So I, yeah. I don't disagree. Yeah. And I think Patty Jenkins is very good. The only reason I wouldn't say it is because she's done one. Like, she has her. She's doing Wonder Woman. Yeah. And she's having way more control for number two. Right, right, right. Cool. So, um, I, here's, I, I, got, I got my weird pick, um, which is, I was trying to think of, like, new up-and-coming kind of visionary female directors that could like do a good job with it and one that occurred to me is Greta Gerwig that's not a that's not that's rough it's weird isn't it <laughs> that's, a, that's a that's a good left field pick she's great yeah well who I, else would do you she have? want to do this I don't know that's see the thing the is <laughs> the thing is from the way that she she if it was if it was Barbarella's coming of age story of how she became <laughs> a sci-fi badass she would but I don't think that's that story. See, I don't know. I'm, I'm very intrigued by... I've heard interviews with her about how she, like, writes... She's, like... She has a very interesting process. She, like, basically writes a whole lot of, like, scenes and episodes and stuff like this. And mm-hmm. then, like, kind of figures out structure later. And I think that that would work this episodic thing. But I... So that kind she of would work as kind of a... Is, yeah. But not necessarily the way we want. Right, right, right. So that's my weird left, left, left field pick. Um, if we want... If we're okay with the male director, the one that I think would be best for this is George Miller. 
um, who directed uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Uh. Because I think that he definitely has the vision to make this look bananas and crazy. And as opposed to that movie, which is all like tan. I want to see what happens if he's like, okay, now have some like purple and green to work with. Um, and he, he had like, you know, the, the, uh, a strong like female as one of the leads of, you know, Furiosa who kicks ass, who I think is like kind of a role model we can look to for this. So, and, and he's just like a, he takes a lot, a, a very strong, he's very, very good visual sense, very good, like costuming sense, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So if we're okay with with a male director, I think he'd be a good choice, but yeah, I'm open to somebody else as well. So yeah. What else you guys got? Who did you have? Uh, if, if we were okay with the male director, I was going with uh, Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi is uh, also good. And... I, I think the humor matches what was going on in Ragnarok. I think he yeah. would work well with Jermaine Clemens and Kristen Shaw. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, but uh, but I think Patty Jenkins is, is a great choice, too. I think she is as well. My director is a lady named Karen Kusama. She directed Girl Fight. She directed Aeon Flux. And she directed Jennifer's Body. And the reason why... Are those good movies? Okay. <laughs> they're they're fun <laughs> movies, uh-huh. which I think is the kind of movie we're gonna get. Because the, here's the thing about Barbarella: it's fun. It's not good. It can be. This can be it good. Could, it could be good. The way we're pitching it, it can be good. Yeah. I and I think that someone who's done action and done this sort of thing before and can and has seen where it's gone wrong, and someone who now outside of the studio system, which all three of these movies suffered from mm-hmm. someone who actually yeah, has complete con- creative control. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, and, the only one of you I've seen is Aeon Flux, so I don't, you know. And it was pretty, like, visually... Yeah, no, it's... it's it is, which thing. would work well. Jennifer's Body's underrated. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Jennifer's Body's actually pretty good. Okay, cool. And so that's part of what drew me in. And so, because yeah. I, I was... I, was I, I do think it's important to have a female director, specifically because even if it's a dude that we like, yeah. I think it's... We got it. I should have also looked for a female cinematographer, but I didn't think about it because you, this movie it's going to be so easy to slip into male gaze, yeah. and I kind of want to avoid right. that as much as possible. George Miller is a producer. He helps out with making the sets and costumes. I have a producer for that. <laughs> I actually have a producer involved, Marsha Lucas. Okay, that's a, that's related to George, I imagine. It is George Lucas's ex-wife, okay. who basically was mostly responsible for a lot of the great things in the original Star Wars movies, and then they got divorced, and George basically like, kind of went about <laughs> rewriting history and had her name stricken from the record. Wow! Like she was basically his partner in the first wow. movies, and a lot of people, like people who worked on those movies, said, "Oh yeah, no, a lot of the good ideas were her ideas." Wow, cool. And so she's basically wiped from the Lucasfilm canon, even though she's. Part of the reason that yeah. the Star Wars movies were as good as they were. Cool. All right. Well, you win with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why, for my exec producer, and I do think we need a female director. Sure. I'm that's sorry. fine. No, no, no. no. Uh, but that takes us to the end. Is, are we missing anything? No. Who's our pie guy? Did we get to it? Who's our what? Who's our pie guy? Who'd you, oh, yeah. I remember the guy. The guy. Okay, yeah. We're good. Yeah. So let me take you through everyone we've got for our movie. Yep. Barbarella. Yeah. Which is another retro-futuristic, sexy romp, but in an action, sci-fi, super fun movie that everyone can enjoy, but also learn something about sexuality. Everyone over 18 can enjoy. Can enjoy, absolutely. (laughs) Barbarella is played by Zazie Beetz. Pygar is played by Eugene Cordero. The Great Tyrant is Ruby Rose. The Concierge, a.k.a. Duran Duran, is Taya Sakar. Professor Ping is Teller. 
present the job's crowning moment of your career on this podcast. Oh right? yeah, I'm so proud of that. <laughs> like if I hadn't seen director's cut like yeah. last week, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But it's still perfect casting. He's so good. <laughs> President of Earth is Jane Fonda. The computer is Alan Tudyk. The revolutionary is Kristen Shaw. Dildano, we- <laughs> say the name. He's credited on IMDb as the revolutionary. Dildano is played by Kristen Shaw. Thank you. Kristen Shaw is a Dildano. <laughs> and our weird hairy dude, who also has a name that we don't care as much about, is Jermaine Clement. Our writer is Nicole Perlman with Joke and Comedic Punch Up by Rachel Bloom. And our director is Karen Kusama and exec producer Marsha Lucas. She's in her 80s, great. but she's going to do great. Sounds great. And That's that, the perfect time. I want, old, the perfect time to be I want old ladies making this movie. <laughs> so, we, we've remade Barbarella. Would you guys watch this movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just going to watch this movie. I, I, I like fun movies. I, All right. I love Barbarella. Of course I'm going to watch this movie. Barbarella's great. And, and I really, I actually am a really big fan of movies that have a message but are not about their message. Agreed. I think that a lot of um, viewers w- kind of shut down or throw up defensive guards when you like hit them over the head with, this is progressive! Like, yeah, yeah, I agree with and that. And so I think it's great to have a movie that's primary goal is fun entertainment, but also does have a, a, a great message. It's just not going to hit you over the head with it. Agreed. So where can people find you on the internet? Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Karen, but what you should probably, which is a C-L-A-I-R-E-M-U-L-K-E-R-I-N, um, but you should probably follow me on Smash Fiction. It's a podcast that I do with some friends where we, uh, argue about who would win in a, some sort of fight or contest between different fictional characters. We do the ones you would expect, like, you know, Terminator versus Predator, but then we also do really weird ones, like... Power Rangers uh, versus Godzilla. That's not a weird one. The weird that one's amazing. The weird ones are ones like um, Kirby Do- versus No Face versus Homer Force. Simpson in eating contests. Or that um, was also a good one. I or Doctor Frankenfurter versus um, Jareth the Goblin King, both attempting to seduce Bella Swan from Twilight. Like those, those are the, the, are the silly ones. Yeah. So and you also have like big ice battles and big fire battles. Yeah, and... giant like four way matches where we do like all sorts of weird characters. Once a year, we have a match that's four Nicolas Cage characters fighting in a cage match it's called the cage match yeah it's great i love it everything's amazing and everyone who enjoys listening to this podcast would enjoy listening to that podcast and we're probably gonna have sammy on as a guest as soon as we can so we're recording this first but we're gonna we're gonna have him on soon so and i'm excited about it yeah 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 and and brad's a guest sometime on that too yep that's where you can find me on the internet brad is a professional podcast guest (laughs) brad can people find you on the internet and should they no i don't want anybody to find me on the internet i don't (laughs) no just generally no Great. No, I don't need an internet. <laughs> Brad Boltman. <laughs> Alright, so thank you both for being guests on this episode. Thank you for bringing this movie that I to be honest, had never heard of. Thank you for indulging me. I know you guys were a little reluctant to try it because you're like, this is weird and straight. I don't want to do it. But you guys did it and I'm very glad. Thank you very much for but I think uh, we have a great episode yeah. and I'm really looking forward to watching this movie when Hollywood gets it right and does this remake. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no that's, right. that's gonna happen real soon and man. if you enjoyed listening to this episode you should re-listen to it because as you all know podcast listeners have no memory <laughs> that's terrible <laughs> <laughs>